I think the Waco exhibit is so important because it's rare to see a show that is actually about black, like black women and black non-binary people's expression. And it's actually them who made the art, right? We love to hear stories about black women who are not told by black women. And I'm just like, so why, why is that? So, and it's, it's curated by black women, right? Like, so I think it's really important for that. It's, it's offering up the question of how do we see ourselves and then allowing people to see that through our eyes. What's up everybody and welcome to the Queerly Black Show. I'm your host Ashley and I'm so happy you came by. The Queerly Black Show aims to normalize the everyday existence of black LGBTQIA individuals through an interview style series with regular folks like you and me. So every week a new guest shares their story and unique perspective on their existence as an LGBTQIA individual. Thank you for tuning in and make sure you subscribe, download, set your reminders to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of Queerly Black Show. I'm your host, Ashley. I am joined today by a very special guest. Amber Phillips is in the building. Amber, tell the people about yourself. So my name is Amber J. Phillips. I'm also known as Amber Abundance across the internet. Um, and a little bit about me and why, uh, why we're diving in today is I am a writer, a storyteller, and a filmmaker. And my goal is to basically tell these Black queer radical stories um, through the lens of being a Black girl from the Midwest, specifically Columbus, Ohio, stand up. Right um, yeah, and I'm excited to be here today. Thank you for having me. Awesome, awesome. And I'm happy to have you. I'm happy to highlight your story, the work that you're doing. Um, but before we get into all that, we got to go back to the beginning. <laughs> when did you know you liked the ladies? Well, I would say... Um, when did I know I liked the ladies? It's such an interesting question now because my preferences are definitely based on just black queer people, period. Ladies are not. Um, it took me a while. I didn't really come out until I was 29. So wrapping up my Saturn return is when I was like, you know what? Um, I'm tired of allowing my, basically my family to dictate how much I share and don't share especially as someone who tells stories, you know what I mean? It's like when you're not out or when you're not living in all of your truth or these big truths, it's hard to access your funniest self, your most artistic self. So I really started my coming out process in Washington, D.C. Yeah, I moved there. I went to Howard. College. Okay, congratulations. Good. You know, y'all Howard students. Hey, you. Oh, y'all Howard students. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had a good time. In, and that's one of the things I've noticed about being in LA. For folks who have not been queer, Black folks specifically, who have not been to DC, I'm always like, you have to go. Like, you Chocolate have City. to go. Get your gay chocolate yes. life. Like, it is, it was the greatest place to realize, mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm not no boring ass heterosexual. So, <laughs> Um, yeah, I went to a women's college and everything, and it just did not click with me because I was so heavily politicized that queerness, being a lesbian, any of the gay stuff was for white folks. And, Mm. um, like in school, I went to, I went to a women's college, but we were, um, predominantly white women's college. 
And, you know, I was watching Ellen, helping with the coming out. (laughs) I was an RA. So this Mm -hmm. was the time of the Justin Bieber cut and like helping a bunch of folks through that. But I never really saw myself in it until I moved to DC and hopped in a very tumultuous relationship that I'm still very grateful for because it did give me the the courage of well it gave me two insights there there's what you can be when you're not out and dating and having sex which I feel like a lot of black queer folks we do make the decision to like basically fuck in private or in mm-hmm. secrecy yeah and or you can choose to be who you are and allow everyone to kind of meet you in that moment so it's, it was a journey but um I would never look back because the ghetto okay um yes. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes the ghetto when when uh it, it, it's very difficult obviously for um to have a full expression of yourself when you are not able to express it Um, because of the nuances of who we are as people like we're not a monolith we are all different we do all have you know diversity within ourselves not just our complexion not just the fact that we're black but complexity within our 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 upbringings of you know our our spirituality the people we date the 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 things we do our schools that we go to our environments that we grow up in um that all make us unique one thing you talked about that I think is interesting is um queerness being reserved for white people yeah um, and I, the reason that that's important that, is because i think you love it all you hear a lot of huh the lgbtq yeah right and because you hear a lot about you know well um why does it have to be black or why does it have to be white or why does it have to be this or why does it have to be that and talk about for you the importance of why why there has to be both right like why when you see it as is when when it exists for for the white space it's like it doesn't make sense or connect as much as it does when it's you know diverse in all the ways not just that it's black but diverse in all the ways yeah well my specific entry point is blackness i'm not I'm no longer in the business of explaining why it's important for white people or why it's important for non black people because we know that the reason why I didn't wasn't able to see myself in it is because of anti-blackness. Mm-hmm. And that's across any space that you're in. That's in politics, that's in art, and of course that's in desirability. So until you deal with, for me, again, this is a very touchy topic. Yeah. Especially for queer folks here in LA who believe that you do not have to inter- interrogate your desire your desirability politics as long as you're gay. And that's not enough, right? Like if you are moving through the world where you're only dating white folks or you're only dating skinny folks or you're only dating um, people who fit into this very limited idea of what beauty is, then I would, um, to me, that's like, I won't say it's not queer, but there's more. There's more in interrogating why you like what you like. And it's not just about like, you liking what you like, you know what I mean? It's political. We're mm-hmm. all, poli- if we're politicized to be straight, imagine what all is coming with that. Mm-hmm. If we're politicized to not love Black people, to not love ourselves, that's not just in um, how you engage with people at the store. It's in how you engage in building your life, right? So for me, it's important specifically to center Black queer folks 
because we know that there's a lot of work for me not to see myself in it. Yeah. So I need to see Black people love each other. I need to see Black femmes love each other. I need to see Black masculine folks love each other and non-binary folks love each other so that I have an image that this is actually normal. This is something that we all have access to. And um, what I knew for sure, especially because I was, I was raised very Baptist Christian, again, in Columbus, Ohio, right? Um, what I know for sure about my sexuality and why it's important to center Black folks is that there's a lot of work done to get us to hate ourselves, like, period. So why wouldn't, and because I was raised Christian and really only saw my life as dating men, that was already so limiting. So I didn't want to bring any of that shit into my queerness. Like if I thought that I could only be a wife or I could only be a mother and that was the most important thing, um, why would I recreate those those same things in my queer relationships? Which unfortunately is one of my, the one of the things I wish black queer folks talked about more. Like we, sometimes we can get into our silos and recreate the same things that we don't like about heteronormativity. So personally I'm about, and in the art, it's about breaking all that down for me. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love that. I think um, there it's a it's definitely a continuous conversation of like mm -hmm. where we're going. And I, you make a great point about, you know, the, the politics of it all. Just, you know, obviously seeing all the different bills and just like right. it's like, why are we in people's bedrooms? I don't even understand this right now. I don't I even don't, understand why are we in people's so relationships. So obsessed. Yeah. Um, so talk about your artwork and how you became a creative you do everything you do it you're 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 very 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 creative lots of different um you know uh, tranches in um the creative space so talk about your journey yeah so um i always say the black church was my original art school because you had to sing learn how to pray uh put on a christmas performance like just a lot was going on so to me my artistry was about um returning to my create, creative practice beyond um, beyond these kind of like limited institutions. Like I stopped doing art for a big part of my twenties when I went to college because I was politicized by Hurricane Katrina. I saw that and it really clicked with me like, oh, this country is really treating black people different regardless of, um, regardless of if they work hard or not. Like we're just, we don't respect black people here. And so I went into social work. I did major also in cultural studies in African-American lit, but, but I've worked in DC politics for a very long time. My big goal was to work at the biggest women's rights organization in the country. I did that, I hated it. Then Trump came into office and I just really, this was around the time where like, you know, scandal was out. So people are on Twitter. Um, live tweeting things. You had a lot of comedy writers like Very Smart Brothers and Lovey Ajayi and um, feminist blogs. And um, but then we also started to see people use Twitter to basically protest. And I'm like, okay, this is a lot of things coming together all at once. And what I realized being online is like, I was on there for to like to engage with other Black folks on culture and media, but I was also like watching out for politics to see seeing what's going on with these protests and these marches 
And I realized like people consume politics and culture at the same time. And in order to do that well for me, it was it was about if I'm going to go into doing my artistry, I also want to have it, I want it to have a political lens. I want to be able to express myself um, in that way, but I want it to be super creative. Like in DC, the bar in DC politics, I would say DC is very creative. Like um, if you've ever been there, like the music on the street and go-go and dances, it's just an amazing place. Hopping off the Metro, like, hey. Literally, there's the Metro <laughs> PCS store, like it, it's amazing. And there's a lot of black um, queer artists there, like Boom Sky and Black <laughs> the Metro Folk PCS Oakland. store, I just picked that up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Metro like, PCS um, store, yes. They literally blast go-go music yes, all off the corner. <laughs> and but in DC politics, it was like the bar for creativity was in hell. Mm-hmm. So I just decided like I needed to start to express myself differently if I wanted to reach people. And the second I started doing that, it was resonating. Like I ended up being on the breakfast club because of some tweets that I wrote. I ended up, and it was the first time like people from my hometown understood what I was doing in DC. Like my whole family thought I worked for Barack Obama. I did not, <laughs> like I was just living there. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it was, you know, you can only complain so much about what's missing in culture and what you want to see before you're like, oh, let me commit to the practice of bringing these stories out and believing that these stories are worthy to be told right now and not later. So that that was, I just started listening to myself, to be honest. And the more I do that, like even with this exhibition, it was, you know, they say your opera, my friend Ashley Johnson says, your opportunities find you working. So I had already made Abundance, my short film. I was already online making videos and making people laugh. And then this opportunity came and it's like, we're looking for, we want to include folks and feature folks who do all these things. And at first I second guessed it. I'm like, me? But it's like, yeah, my whole practice, my whole life is dedicated to telling stories that center Black women in films, to um, showing us at rest and at play and showing our joy beyond like these traumas that happen to us. So yeah, I just feel like it, it was going into art just was the natural flow of things. I think stories can really change our lives. Like we can all think of a story that may have told us, honey, I don't think you straight or mm-hmm. may have told us to start a podcast, may have told us to take up more space in our creative expression. So that's kind of the same thing that happened with me. Yeah, you you talked about something, you highlighted something that's very specific and I want to talk about it because mm-hmm. I think it's really important, especially now with social media and people comparing themselves. Mm-hmm. You talked about you were already working, mm-hmm. right? And so t- talk about what it means for you and how you work while you wait. And to to make yeah. it to make it to make it spiritual, because we, you know, I believe in God over here. This is that's 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 what this given. Um <laughs> having you having faith while you work Mm. (laughs) faith Mm -hmm. without works is dead right talk about that journey when you're the only one who believes you're the only one who is is committed and dedicated to the mission but continuing to press forward right and my biggest belief is that even if you have aspirations to be in Hollywood like right now there's a whole writer's strike right like so things are shut down 
But if you have aspirations to do something, you don't have to wait for someone to even ask you to do it. Like we have so much technology. I'm sitting here in front of a phone, an iPad and a computer, right? Like there's, here's what I will say. You have to start working now before you have all of these things, because what I've noticed when you do hit that level of success, more people are in the mix and you got to get clear first on what your voice is. So when you commit to an artist practice, whether it's writing, um, making videos, those kind of things, what you're actually in the practice of doing is knowing what your voice sounds like, knowing what your strong yeses are, building your gut reactions to what your no's are, knowing how you will craft a narrative or how you even want to be treated as an artist. Mm. So I will say, um, and for <laughs> again, for me, it was like, I was being so nuanced. Like I wanted to do politics that had a black feminist lens. <laughs> like who the, who's doing that? Yeah. Like that was also funny. Like mm-hmm. that was also queer. Like there were no examples. Like mm-hmm. there were literally no examples in 2016 before some of the work that was um, that I was creating, especially with um, my friend Jazz. And it was like, um, especially for black queer women, like no one's really uh, working really hard to make sure we're on television or to make sure we're making music, you know? So that doesn't mean we shouldn't be making it. So I think when you start to do that before for yourself, when you start to allow that story to hit the paper for yourself, then um, you will personally, because I know I personally got to a point where I'm not about to hold this in. I'm not about to be so precious with this when I know that this is my calling and this is my passion. So yeah, I, the, my, my truest belief is like, no one's out here handing black girls shit. Like Mm -hmm. you really have to take it. And I want us to get to a space where it's not a fight, but um, I find a lot of joy in my creative practice really. So I think that's where the faith comes in is when you just zone into what brings you joy, what makes you feel like a whole human being. And whenever I get lost or when I feel like I'm judging myself too hard or, oh, the, the reason why this doesn't exist is because it's not good enough. I always go looking for us. Like I'll read um, Audre Lord. I'll look for books about Black queer folks. I'll look for short films about Black queer folks. And it just, whatever you think is just you, it's not. There's a whole legacy of us but you have to be curious. You have to be curious about, oh, where's my desire to do storytelling coming from? Oh, there's a whole history of this. Um, Where's my desire to design coming from? There's a whole history of black designers, but of course, like they're behind our stuff. So yeah, I will say that's where a lot of the faith comes in because when you're, when you're doing art and nobody's looking, um, that's when, you know, you get super creative. Like, especially when you're not making it just for like the success will come if you keep mm-hmm. going I that's my that's my belief is that all the things you desire will come because you're putting energy and work behind it yeah um you you kind of ha- you already have talked about this in many different ways but elaborate on why um this you know the Waco exhibit and this space is so important I think the Waco exhibit is so important because it's rare to see a show that is actually about black, like black women and black non-binary peoples 
expression and it's actually them who made the art right we love to hear stories about black women who are not told by black women and i'm just like so why why is that so and it's it's curated by black women right like so i think it's really important for that it's is offering up the question of how do we see ourselves and then allowing people to see that through our eyes. And I think that's so powerful, especially right now when in all of culture, it's like when we look at Megan Thee Stallion, when we look at um, how she was treated, like everyone has so many opinions on us. They have so many thoughts about what we are and aren't doing. They always believe us to be delinquent or um, you know, what does she do first? Mm-hmm. We don't, we're not allowed to have the full expression. So to have shows like this that center how we feel about ourselves, how we see our community and what we want y'all to see is just very powerful. And not for nothing, it's like super, um, it fills my heart of that this is coming from, you know, um, one of the curators or where it's house was created by Tina um, uh, knows Lawson like for people to use their access to power and proximity in order to also shine this light is important because mm-hmm. if we don't do it who's going to do it yeah. I think Janelle is just such a brilliant mind and the the space that she created for us to show our work is I've been in this for a minute I've never I hardly have experiences like that where people actually not only want your art but they want you they want you to be able to express yourself and to be held in honor and to talk about your work. So it's just a really great exhibit. And I really encourage, especially Black queer folks, to go and be in it, to allow yourself to be surprised and to see yourself in the work. And I, and I feel like now that we're in our second month, our final month, it's so um, amazing hearing the responses to folks who go into the show um, who may have been invited or they saw it online. And just to hear how it's impacting them and how it's literally a mirror for who they are and how they want to express themselves. Because like we were talking about earlier, it's like when you're not allowed to be who you are, when you're not allowed to express your desires or your sexuality or your gender, then, you know, you're you're playing a character mm-hmm. of yourself. You're not yeah. actually able to practice who you really are. So these moments, exhibits like this are kind of like that um, sign that's like, yeah, dive into that person, figure out who that is um, and be that person. You don't have to shift and transform yourself to be loved and cared for by other folks that there are more yous out in this world. Um, Yeah, and I I just think it's critical. I think we need more. We need so much more. Absolutely. And you know, that is such a that was so good right there we gonna just leave it right there (laughs) thank you so much amber for coming and talking to me um and you know for all the work that you're doing um holding space for black queer folks expressing us and you know through your lens um super super grateful for that and um y'all already know man this is another episode of queerly black show i'm your host ashley i'll catch y'all on the next one peace